Well, good morning, folks. It's good to be with you again and um, know that there's some good news out there. Um, things are letting up, if you will, and we're just praying that God will continue to move through all this. And we pray that it will be very soon that we'll be back together in our assembly together. But know that we love you and we miss you and we're praying for you and continue to pray for us as well. This morning, I've asked the Dittmeyer family to lead us in our communion after we play a song, of course. I've known David for probably about 25 years. He used to be a youth minister here at the church, and uh, he met his beautiful bride, Sherry, and uh, they have two wonderful children. I've seen them just grow into fine young people. Um, that would be Gabe and certainly Abby. Um, it's a great family, but um, we're blessed to have them a part of our family. David is our financial uh, deacon over finances, and he's doing a great job there for us too, especially during this time. And thank you all for your offerings and your givings that you've been sending in. Continue to do that and know that uh, uh, God will continue to bless as well. And so in the meantime, we're going to have a song, and then I'll be back to do a message in just a few moments. But until then, enjoy. Take care.
Hello, family. Uh, miss you guys. Uh, we're going to uh, take care of communion today for you. The situation that we're in kind of reminds me of of uh, a situation that Paul kind of had a, um, a similar situation when he was uh, missing his family in uh, Thessalonica. He'd only got to spend a little time with them, but he wanted uh, greatly to see them again. So he was, and because of circumstances, he wasn't able to. So he sent Timothy back to go uh, check on them and see how they were doing because he had such a longing to be with them and to find out about their lives. So Gabe's going to read uh, a section out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 for us. Listen to the words of what Paul uh, says when he gets his report from Timothy. Now Timothy has just returned, bringing the good news of your faith and love are as strong as ever. He reports that you remain um, our visit with joy and that you want to see us just as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly comforted, dear brothers and sisters, in all our own crushing troubles and suffering, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life, knowing you remain strong in the Lord. How we thank God for you, because of because of you we have a great joy in the presence of God. Night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again, to fill up anything that may still be missing in your faith. May God himself, our Father, and our Lord Jesus make it possible for us to come to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love grow and overflow to each other and to everyone else, just as our love overflows towards you. As a result, Christ will make your heart strong, blameless, and holy when you stand before God, our Father, on the day when our Lord Jesus comes with all those who belong to Him. I love that last verse, uh, because really that's what we're doing here uh, at Communion, is we're spending time together to remember Jesus, to remember the decision that we made. Uh, to follow him and for him to um, for our faith to be strengthened and our time to be renewed uh, with our family um, to remember what Jesus has done for us in that last verse he says may may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God the Father when our Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones so that's my prayer uh, today for you is that our time together will strengthen your hearts so that you remember what Jesus has done for us so that uh, we can still see him you know, one day again. Let's pray. Father, we say thank you for uh, what you've given us each and every day. Father, as we spend this time remembering what you have done for us, Father, help our hearts to be strengthened and our faith to be stronger, uh, knowing that we will have eternal life with you. I pray these things to your son's name. Amen. Let's pray again. Father, as we continue our prayer, Father, circumstances um, in this world don't make life easy for us sometimes. Father, but there is a constant. The constant is that we know that you love us, that you've saved us, 
that you sent Jesus to die for us. Lord, help us to remember that constant even in the situations of life. Father, Paul remembered that. Father, help us to remember that each and every day. I pray these things through Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today, and we hope to see you all soon. I keep finding voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Well, good morning once again. Thank you, David, for leading us in our communion today. We appreciate you and your family so much. 
You know, during these times, it's uh, kind of exciting, actually, for if you look at it that way. Um, we, we're going to get back together again soon, and we're going to fill this auditorium up. But we just don't know when that day is going to happen. But in between now and then, you keep praying, and we'll keep praying, and we're believing God's going to have us break through before long. I want to start off with one of my favorite stories, and I say that a lot, so let's just say it this way, one of my favorite stories of the week. <laughs> Maybe that's better. This is back in the day where you could go to a country store and you could reach into a jar of candies and pick out what you want and pay for it, of course. So it kind of sets the stage. A little boy goes into this country store with his father and he's just standing this, staring at this jelly bean jar full of jelly beans and he's just in awe of how many jelly beans are in there. Well, the owner notices this, and he was a good guy, and he said, reach your hand in there, boy, and get you some of that candy. He said, it's no, no charge, you can have it for free. And the boy didn't do anything, he just stared at the candy. A few minutes later, the owner said, now listen, son, I give candy away to the kids all the time. You reach your hand in there and get you a handful. boy didn't do anything. So the owner was a good guy, and he reaches his hand down in the, the um, jelly bean jar and pulls out a big old handful and the little boy cups his hands and the man pours them into his hands. He thanked him and his father and uh, the little boy went on their way. On their way home, the father asked the little boy, he said, uh, son, uh, why didn't you take a handful of those jelly beans for yourself? And the little boy looked at his daddy and simply said, his hands were larger than mine. I just love that. God has much larger hands than we do. We need to keep that in mind in any and all situations that you might find yourself, we might find ourselves in. We need to keep that in mind. So I want to talk to you today about desiring spiritual growth in the midst of a crisis. How does that happen? Can one have that? Well, you can if you have a desire in your heart. The scripture tells us this. It says in Psalms 37, verse number 4, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You have to have your desire for God. So where is yours right now? So what I'm trying to do in this message, if you will, is developing a desire in your heart to believe what God believes about you. If you can say, God, I want to have a desire to believe what you believe about me, Things can change in your life for the better. I promise you that. So, we serve a God that cannot be shaken, even in the midst of these times that shake us. God's not shaken. God's not disturbed by this. God can use this to take us places that we've never been before in exciting ways. Now, I've always told our church, and you know this, that uh, I've always believed in great things in the Lord for you, for us as a church. When I meet with people and counsel with people, I simply tell them that. I believe God's got great plans for your life. And then I always come back and ask them, do you believe that? Because see, until you believe that, that nothing's going to change in your life. You have to have a desire to believe what God believes in you, for you. Someone out there is probably saying right about now, yeah, Mr. or Mr. Minister or whatever the case is, but it's not working out too good for you this year, is it? Well, I don't know why you would say that. Because you see, what I've experienced in my life, when God's about to do something extraordinary in my life, Satan tries to step in and steal it from me. 
And once you understand that, that's what Satan is trying to do in your life, you're going to anchor deeper in Christ. And my desire now is even stronger to know what God's will is for my life. Because I know Satan is lurking around. And he'll try to do everything he can to get me off course. And he will you as well, my friend. So, listen to me. You can come through this crisis stronger spiritually if you choose for that to take place in your life. I want you to know that I still believe in great things for your life. No matter what comes. Why would I say that? Well, for two reasons. Number one, as a Christian, I know heaven is real and it waits. So no matter what comes, heaven's waiting on me. God's made that promise to me. And secondly, and I think this is important, I'm standing on the promises of God. I'm not standing on the lives of Satan. I'm standing on the promises of God. Give me an amen. Amen? Amen. So how can I make that happen? How can we make that happen is really the question. How can we make this a blessing and not a curse during this time in this, our Christian walk with God? Well, we first have to deal with a few things, of course, and a good minister would give you a list of five things and give you those five bullet points and send you on your way. I'm going to give you one. Well, kind of two, if you will. But in this process, I hope that it encourages you and blesses you sometime throughout this week, of course. To get started correctly, you have to come to grips with, and this is important no matter what you're doing in life, whether it's your occupation or with your family or whatever you deal with, this is important. You have to come to grips with what is holding you back and who it is that's trying to hold you back. So what's holding you back and who is it that's trying to hold you back? Now, at this time, you could simply say, well, the city's holding me back, the state's holding me back, the government's holding me back. Well, that might be true in certain things, but no one can hold you back from growing spiritually except for, well, you guessed it, you. That's right. So I want to tell you who's been holding me back all these years, over the years, I should say. In our church, there's this person I've dealt with. I've been here almost 27 years. And this is church, uh, this person at church that I've dealt with many, many times. They give me a lot of heartache, a lot of heartburn, if you know what I'm saying. I spent a lot of energy on this person where I really didn't need to spend a lot of that energy, if you know what I mean. And this person has caused me a lot of difficulty throughout my ministry. In fact, I'll just tell you who it is. Now, someone's saying, you mean he's going to tell on somebody at your church? Wow, he's going to get fired in a week. Well, let me tell you who it is. His name is Harley Davidson. That's right, me. I am the one that gets in the way of most of the things <laughs> in my life. I find myself over, why did I do that? I didn't want to do that, but I did that. I kind of like Paul in his writings. But nonetheless, one of the biggest enemies we deal with in our lives is ourself. And you have to come to grips with that. In your life. Now, a lot of people don't want to do that. They want to blame that person, that person. I don't blame her, I don't blame him, I don't blame them, those people. I want to blame. Listen, bring it back to where it needs to be. Figure out if it's you, if it is, deal with you or allow God to deal with you. And then, then you have the great potential to grow spiritually. That's what God wants for your life. I believe that. So once you get that, what else do you need? You got to desire something. You got after you deal with self, you got a desire to do something different. 
Um, if you do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result, you know what that is. Duh. What is that? Oh, yeah, stupidity. Uh-huh. Yeah, none of us. So what you want to do is you've got to have a desire to change before you ever change. You teach our teenagers that all the time, and we try to anyway. You've got to have a desire to change in your life. Here's our scripture in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 is a story about a woman, a woman that has a bleeding issue. What was her problem here? Her, she had this bleeding issue, and she wanted change. And she went for it, went after it, and she then received it. She got her change because she desired to have change in her life. Of course, she touched the hem of the garment of Jesus' clothes, and she was healed by her faith, Scripture says. The question is, will we go after the change that we say we want in our lives? Will you? Are you doing that? If you do, perhaps, this could be a great breakthrough in your life, in history, in your time anyway. It could be this moment in which it really defines you, these moments that we're stuck at home or, and stuck in this crisis, if you will, that we can actually grow our strongest if we desire it. So do you desire it? The writer Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, he wrote these words. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So are you determined? Are you determined to be like Paul and press on toward the call that God has in you? Or are you going to let this one be another one that just slips away? Through the circumstance that God has placed us in or has us in, then I'm just going to let it slip away again and don't allow it to grow me spiritually. It's sad, but it's true. Many Christians are going to choose that. They haven't taken the time to grow spiritually. They're just angry because something's happened. One of two things will happen in this time of your life. And any the big situations, there are trials or hurts or pains that you go through in life. There's one of two things that will happen. You'll either grow from it or you'll be weakened by it. And it's really your choice. So let's talk more about the spiritual side of our lives. Is it where it needs to be? If not, why not? Is a good question, isn't it? I had a person text me this past week. The lady texted me and she said simply these words. She says, I really feel like I'm growing spiritually during this time. So I responded back with one word, hallelujah, with a smiley face. Because that's what God wants for us. Because when we go through something, if we are growing through that process, it helps us when we get to the next step in our lives as well. If you look for the opportunity to grow in your situation, I believe God will show that to you. If you look for the opportunity to grow, God will point those things out so that you can grow by them so that when you come out, you are stronger. God gives us opportunity in all circumstances, not some, but in all circumstances, God gives us opportunity to grow closer to Him. The question is, will we? If we desire it, it will happen. Here's another scripture for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Very short scriptures. Of course, you probably know them. Pray. It says, rejoice always, pray continually. And then verse 18 is a little longer. It's give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Hmm. When I think about that, give thanks in all circumstances? Man, this one's a tough one. I mean, all the circumstances, you've got to give 
you got to give this thanks in all circumstances. That's what God says. How does that happen? Well, the way it happens, I believe, the only way it can happen is you must desire God's will over your circumstance. If you only look at your circumstance, you're going to miss what it is that God wants for you through that process. I also believe that too many Christians focus on the trial and not the trial and not the solution that God has for us in the midst of a trial. For if your focus is only on what is going on and not what in God says, here's the solution, you'll miss out. Now the disciples are prime examples of that. Let me give you a couple here. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 15 in this process. So get your kids to read this to you, the smaller ones, get them to read it to you, and then allow them to explain it to you. And just, just enjoy that. Don't try to explain it to them first. Let them explain what they see. And perhaps they might teach you something. But you know the story in Matthew chapter 14. Massive crowds have come. They're, they're there to um, listen to what Jesus has to say. Anywhere between five and 10,000 people have gathered to listen to our Master. It's a wonderful setting. But something takes place. The disciples realize that it's getting late. And so they tell Jesus, basically, let's shut this thing down because it's getting late. It's about dinner time. People are going to start getting hungry and they need to go on home. But in verse number 16 of chapter 14 of Matthew, it simply says, Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. Okay, so what do they do? They look in their picnic basket and they look in there and they see a little fish, a little bread, and they simply say, hmm. We don't have enough. You see, in this process, they focused on their situation was not enough. All the while, more than enough was standing right in front of them, Jesus. And that's what we do, isn't it? And so, you know what Jesus did? He has them all sit down and he feeds them all. And they're all, you know, they're all fed well and they're taught well. And then Jesus lets his disciples pick up 12 baskets full of leftovers. For what reason? Perhaps to teach them a faith lesson for the next situation that they are about to come into. So now you skip over to chapter 15. It seems and it appears as though it's only a day or two. could be a week or two. It could be a month. I'm not sure how long it is. But nonetheless, it's the very next chapter. And in this, they are faced with almost the same identical situation. Now, it's one thing if it was something totally different. Some things we go through, we've never been through. This pandemic, we've never been through this. So it's all new for us. Everybody's trying their best, I'm sure, hoping for the best and all those things. But it's something new for us. But it's not new for God. God understands all things. He knows all things. And so in the midst of that, you would understand if the disciples, if this was something totally different, but it's almost the exact same situation. So what takes place in chapter 15? Sure enough, people come. There's between four and 8,000 people. People perhaps, and in the midst of that, what does, he, what does he do? He's teaching them all these good things, and it's about dinner time, and so Jesus looks at uh, uh, his disciples and say, okay, you guys take care of this one for me. So what do they do? Read it for yourself. They look around for a local Walmart, which is nowhere to be found. They're not going to stand in line. <laughs> But nonetheless, they're looking around for this local store. They can't find it. And they have no clue is their answer. We have no clue what to do. You don't have a clue? Really? 
Once again, their focus was what? On the situation, on their dilemma, on their pain, on their hurt, whatever it is that you're in the midst of, you see. And their answer was just waiting to be called upon this time. All they had to do was call upon Jesus. Jesus, we're going to set the people down because we know just over there you did that thing and this is all we have. And so there's more than enough. Whatever you choose for us to do, God, we're trusting you. You see the difference? It could have been a different outcome. But nonetheless, it wasn't. Jesus had to feed the people. And the disciples went on their way going, hmm, wonder what's going on. And kind of what we do as well, isn't it? Listen, my friend, Jesus has more than enough to go around. He has a plan for your life and my life, and this isn't it. It's greater than this, my friend. And I want you to focus in on that for the next few minutes, okay? Don't focus on the situation. Don't let, that, don't let the situation pull you down. Have a desire within your heart to know what it is that God wants for your life. And as, you come, and as we come through this process, you're going to be much stronger. This auditorium is going to be filled with people once again, praising God and worshiping God. And we're going to go out into the world as He's told us to do, and we're going to be able to tell and be more bold in our witness to the world that needs Jesus as well in their situation, which is they are lost. I believe great things can happen if we will grow and have a desire in our hearts to grow spiritually during this time. All right. I want you to know today that God has a plan for your life. Now, you've heard it. Jeremiah 29, 11. We all have the plaques. I even have a, a keychain at home that has that written on it. And we all know that particular verse, and we've quoted it before, but let me read it for you again this morning. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now we love all of that because God says that I declare this. It means it's going to come to pass and it's a good thing. The problem that we struggle with often in this is we don't know what His plan is. We don't have it all figured out. We don't have all the pieces yet put together. Well, here's the deal. You may not know God's, all of God's plan for your life, but never ever forget, He does. He knows exactly where that piece is. And He's trying to put it into the place so He can get you from where you are to where He wants you to be. That's how good God is. It's a good plan, He tells us. You don't need to know all of the plans. You don't need to know all the pieces and all those things. You just need to stay close to the one that does. And His name is Jesus. Amen. We normally stop at verse number 11 in Jeremiah 29. I want to read verse 12 and 13 for you, and 14 actually. It says this, Then you will call on me, come to me and pray, and I will listen to you. Did you know that God wants to listen to you? Imagine that. In all of the doings of God, God wants to pause and listen to you. Have you taken time to talk to Him? Have you taken time to pour yourself out? We normally do. We simply begin our prayer and we simply say, God, we love you and thank you for being God and all those things and forgive us of our sins and help us to do better and all that. And then we start just, we have our list and we go down that list. Oh God, it's just been terrible here. The kids are home from school. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't do their homework. I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. Oh God, I just don't know what we're going to do. I just don't know this job, my job. I, I can't even go to work. I can't go here. I can't go shopping. I can't get toilet paper. I just, I don't, Lord, I just don't. And we just go on and on and on and on on our list. I want you to know God's listening. 
He doesn't have a problem with that. He's listening to you. But in all of that, what he wants you to do is after you've poured it all out, is to find him. How do I know that? Listen to what scripture says. It says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. Wow. God wants to be found. And he wants you to find him. God's not playing hide and seek for if he plays hide and seek, no one would ever find him. He wants to be found by you. Are you seeking him with all of your heart? For if you do, his promise is you will find him. And when you find him, you know what you get? You get peace. You get joy. You get hope. You get all those things that are good because God has a good plan for your life. One last verse as we get ready to close. This is a great one. Put it on a refrigerator. Make the kids quote it before they get their snack. Make your hubby do the same thing, right? It's a real easy scripture, but it's real powerful because it connects with you and me. And this one's found in the New Testament. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19. It says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? All. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say a few. It doesn't say every now and then. It doesn't say if you're lucky or if you've been good or if you've been this or if you've been that. No, he says all of your needs. It doesn't say how he's going to meet them. And most of the time they come in a whole different way than I think they should or would. But here's the bottom line to that. God is faithful to his promise. All of his promises. And he's faithful to that one. And know that He's going to meet all of your needs. Do you believe what God says about you? That's really the question today. Do you believe what God says about you? Or do you believe the lies that are swirling around you? Because there's a bunch of them. I can promise you that. You see, you find your identity in what you believe. That's right. That's why teenagers struggle so much because they tr they're trying to find their identity through social media and all the other stuff. Listen to me. I don't know who you are that needs to hear this, but you need to hear it quite well. In God, you will find your true identity. He loves you. He created you. And He has a plan for you. And it's a good plan. Take Him up on it is my encouragement. Desire to believe what God says about you. Don't believe the lies. Believe what God says about you. The song says it like this, doesn't it? He says you are loved when you can't feel a thing. Wow. Somebody out there, that's what you feel right now. You know, you, I, don't feel, I just feel numb in all of this stuff. I just don't know what's happening and it's scaring me and all of those things. But I want you to know that God says I love you when you can't feel a thing. He's still loving you. He goes on to say, he says, you are strong when you think you are weak. Somebody out there is thinking you're, you're weak right now. No. God says you're strong. I'm on your side. I'll hold you up. He says you are held when you are falling short. Boy, I, fall my, I find myself here many, many times falling way short. And when I get through my little pity party, you know what I do? I remember 
who's holding me. And as long as I remember that God is holding me, even when I'm falling short, I know I'm held by God Himself. And when you feel you don't even belong, He says, you are His. Someone really needs to hear that today. Maybe, maybe it is the teenager. You are loved. And you are His. He created you for a purpose. And He does have that plan for you. Desire it. Desire it for it is true, my friend. Because He's standing right in front of you. And He's more than enough. Desire to grow. And God will see to it that you do. May God bless you. Let's pray together. Father, we know, we know above all things that you love us. And we're trying our best to love you back. Too often we let our circumstances get in the way and please forgive us of that. There's no doubt. I know I do, Father. May our hearts crave you and crave you more than our minds pull us away because our minds want to pull us in all kinds of directions. But may we know that if we desire you, Father, we'll find you. May we trust you. May we trust you in our situations as much as we say we do in our salvation. For without you we're lost. You have been so good to us, Father. We praise you. We praise you for the gift of your Son, Jesus the Christ, that went to a cross to set us free, free from our sins. Without the cross, Father, we'd still be in our sin. But because of what Jesus did for us, we have been set free. And Jesus, we praise your name for it. We rejoice in knowing that where you are, there is peace, not fear. Forgiveness, not condemnation. Joy and not sorrow. May we all, all of us today, desire to grow closer to you in all that we do, no matter what our circumstance, to draw closer to you. Remind us in our spirits, O oh God, of who we are. We are yours. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, my friend. I hope you have a blessed, wonderful week. Hope to see you soon. Keep praying. God loves you.